0: Why does God take so long to do what he promises? Look at our first reading from the prophet Jeremiah. Now, to be fair, we have to admit that most of us simply don't have the time to learn the history of the period in which a particular book or psalm or letter was written. We lack familiarity with the culture in which the sacred text was written. We do not understand the nuances of the ancient languages. It becomes very frustrating, which is why so many abandon any formal study of Scripture. So, we then tend to impose our 21st century perspective on the ancient texts, and often with disastrous results. One of the things I try to impress on people when I teach a Bible study is to not think of the Bible as a book, but rather as a library of books between Genesis and Revelation, written over literally thousands, many thousands of years, reflecting so many twists and turns in man's relationship with God. He always being faithful to us and we often being unfaithful to him. He never giving up on us, but we often giving up on him and ourselves. Our reading from Jeremiah was probably written around, as scholars suggest, 604 BC, a tumultuous period in the Middle East. The Kingdom of Judah, due to successive reigns of incompetent political and religious leadership, deteriorated from within, and eventually became a vassal state of the then great political military power, the Assyrian Empire which in turn was conquered by the Babylonian Empire. And Jeremiah witnessed all the political, religious, and social turmoil. During his 40 years of prophetic ministry to Judah, he was instructed by God to warn the people that no matter how dire their particular moment in history would be, they must return to the covenant the love that God has for them or they would suffer the fate of losing their identity as a nation. And after a consistent lack of repentance and reform, God told Jeremiah, it's over, out of time, too late. The hearts of the people said God would not return to him until they hit rock bottom. Isn't that often true? It would have to cease to be a nation. They will have no place to worship. They will be driven into exile. That was to be their purification. And it happened in the summer of 587 BC. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon took Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and sent the cream of Jewish society into exile in Babylon with the express goal of having that generation assimilated to Babylonian culture and religion. Jeremiah lived to see it all. He died in Egypt around the year 577 B.C. God, however, instructed Jeremiah to give the people words of comfort as they suffered their humiliation in exile, They who abandoned God, violated his covenant with him, paid lip service to him, grew lukewarm toward him, can still have hope that God will, quote, raise up for David a just shoot, close quote. In other words, God will keep his promise. The throne of David will remain secure. The Jews will have a nation. It would, however, take centuries, generations, for the prophecy to be fulfilled. And you have to wonder if many, struggling to barely survive, believed in these words. How many wondered how long it was all going to take? How many grew disillusioned that the promise wasn't happening fast enough? When they heard the promise, did they allow it to go in one ear and out the other? preoccupied with the demands of life like so many of us do? How many devout Jews passed from this life wondering if the promise was ever going to be fulfilled? Now jump to the gospel. How many today believe in Jesus' words and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory? It has been 2,000 years since Jesus made that promise. How many in the past, how many today, treat those words as uh, pious religious sentiment and not the ultimate historical reality that is to come? Did Jesus' promise have any impact on the life decisions of previous generations? Does Jesus' promise have any impact on the decisions we make in life? Does his call to be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulations that are imminent and to stand before the Son of Man contribute to our discernment of how we should live this life? As the passage of 2,000 years to say nothing of the nonsense mumbled by religious quacks and false prophets, dulled our hope in his promise. We are very odd creatures. Unlike any animal, we are designed for eternity, but we are trapped in the demands of time. And time has a way of preoccupying our thoughts motivating our choices and decisions. We know that each moment of time is precious, irreplaceable, we'll never get it back. And so it's not at all surprising we are so fixated on managing our time, making time productive, carving out time, moaning that we do not have enough time. From that perspective of time, it does indeed seem as if his God is very slow in keeping his promises but because we are creatures designed for eternity we have a rare ability we are graced if we accept it to step outside of time and enter ourselves in the eternal presence of God think about it that's exactly what we do at every mass We step outside of time, and we enter into the eternal presence of God. And also, that's what happens whenever, wherever we pray. We step outside of time, and we enter into the presence of the eternal God. The eternity of the Father intersects with our time. We can allow ourselves to be in the presence of the holy, eternal God who loves us and desires nothing more than we allow him to love us in that moment and every moment of our lives. Against the backdrop of God's eternal love in every moment of this thing we call time, we begin to realize that from God's perspective, time is really quite meaningless. His promise will be fulfilled, and it matters not one bit when or which generation will see it. What we call delay is perhaps a manifestation of divine mercy. His infinite patience, his hope, for our repentance and our return to him. All that really matters is that when he comes, he finds us in time waiting and prepared.